Hello, fellow songwriters, and welcome to season two, episode one of the How Songs Are Made podcast. I can't believe uh, we made it all the way to season two. Um, after a, a bit of a break, we are back. And here on the podcast, in case you're new, we talk to notable songwriters about their songwriting process. I'm your host, Trey Xavier. Joined with me today for the first time on this podcast is Alex Nasla. Uh, hello. Yeah, it's been a hot minute since I've been... Uh I, uh, fun fact: I was uh, I did the very first podcast. Yeah, our our old podcast, which was called the yep. Excessive Nerd Shit Podcast, where we talked about gear and uh, other stuff. And now it's all about songwriting and the songwriting process. And much more t- interesting topic. Yeah, I th- I mean I certainly think so. I think so too. I think we did about all the gear stuff we could yeah, prob- possibly do. And yeah. if at this point you still don't know what you're doing, I can't. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I can help anybody. Like I did my best. Yeah. All right. And also, you know, there's. Plenty others out there, so um, who do it better than me, anyways? But today, kicking off season two, we've got Clem and Meek from Visions of Atlantis. Hello, hello. We uh, just saw on uh, on the boat not two days ago seventy thousand tons of metal. Yeah, not just any old boat. It's not just the best boat. boat. Another random boat. boat. (laughs) It wasn't like a dinghy in the middle of the ocean, like trying to. No, for us, we would have loved that. I I was about to say, a band like Visions of Atlantis, I could see that. I'm yearning to actually like grab a 18th century year old whatever ship, wooden. Make 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 some concerts like very private, no, actually, private concerts on that. This this is kind of appropriate for this podcast. I would love to like spend a week in the ship in a boat actually and song right there just to get the right inspiration. That would be, that would be, that would be oh, sick. Yeah? That'd be so that cool. Would be sick. Just bring like a little like bare bones mobile rig just so you can get your ideas down and stuff like that. Yeah, you, you know sometimes men do this. You know oh, like yeah. they, they take a week or two weeks yeah. in random places just to get you know the right vibe and yeah, the you right did that mood. with temperance i did i did this once with, yeah. with one of my bands yes i think nightwish does that they go to an island i i yeah. have no idea but i trust you yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I talked i talked to tomas once and he was saying yeah usually he tries to go to different places but his main place is like some island in finland yeah but this, this is inspiring like yeah. when i did it i have to admit that in terms of vibe you know in terms mm-hmm. of mood it really projects you into an alternative reality in which yeah. you can dive and stay there for yeah. the entire week you know we, we did it without you know cell phones in it was in the mountains somewhere oh. like forgetting about humanity basically <laughs> and <laughs> and it was cool so let's do this let's hire let's rent a, a ship speaking of which isn't that one of the coolest things about 70k is that uh because most people don't really have access to the internet and they can limited use of their phone everyone's so much more focused on the and show present and present yeah, yeah i do yeah. think so yeah yeah, I, I'm just like like this because I had internet because so we got we got it because we uh, yeah we had, had to do the, all the interviews and everything. Yeah, we needed um, it for work, but I think this is the first time I've ever interviewed the same band twice in the span of a week. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's um, uh, so is this a good thing? Like yeah, is this, I mean, <laughs> there's no hey, we'll money. Do another, we'll do another one tomorrow. Oh, yeah. There's no money involved. We didn't yeah. pay them. Yeah. No yeah. hosting us twice. Yeah, that's because they haven't gotten the bill yet. But yeah. it's um, <laughs> the the boat is the best thing in the universe. Um, I I go every year because I can't not. It's not doing. Like it. if I get a chance, I'm gonna do it. And um, so it was awesome to get to see you guys there. And um, yeah, like I interviewed you. Right before the pandemic, I don't. Whatever the last time you came around the U.S. before the most recent tour was. Yeah, it was 2020. Yeah, uh, obviously the world changed a lot in the interim, but you guys recorded and put out your new album, which is called Pirates, 
which is mostly what I want to talk about today. Really, there's only one question on the podcast and all the other ones are follow-ups. But the question is, what is your typical songwriting process and what was it like for this album? Um, it, it, was it different? Was it the same? And uh, I'm excited to have the singers here because usually, um, although it, it has varied a bit, usually it's guitarists that we have on, guitarists, and uh, <laughs> sometimes it's been drummers. It's not the first one where it's only been singers because we had uh, Charlotte Wessels on. But yeah, I think uh, mainly because I would love to hear you talk about the lyrics as well. So just like how let does it, it work for us when we show up? How does it work? Yeah. Actually, I think this is nice if it comes from you because, as you might know, I joined Visions of Atlantis in 2018. Mm -hmm. uh, she was there before me. And the thing is that between Pirates, the last record, and the previous records, a lot changed. Mm -hmm. Like it, it was a massive uh, turning point provisions of Atlantis and I think it's so cool if this comes from from you claiming because you can describe what was before well, what it was before and how we did it this year this uh, this year of course this year this last time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it runs fast it feels like yesterday yeah. and yeah all yours <laughs> well try to make it fast in a nutshell you don't um, have to make it fast you can go <laughs> you could, we got we got as plenty long of or time. As, little, as, as short as you want this is where you get to go as in depth as you like yeah. all right it came from Outside the songwriting process, Visions of Atlantis has been quite like all over the years, even before I joined, dependent on who was part of the lineup. And uh, we're one of those bands that that changed lineups so many times that we even believe we're like five years old, like because it's hard for us to completely relate to what's been done before. So I'm not going to like talk about in detail what was it like before I joined, because I wasn't part of it, doesn't feel right to, to, to completely describe, but... When I joined the band, there was literally no songwriters, like no proper songwriters within the band. I could write music, but I knew it would never fit the universe of Visions of Atlantis. So it was not a question about me being taken over as the main songwriter back then. Um, so to be very, very, very truthful and honest, I did participate in the writing of melodies and some songs on Deep, Deep in the Dark already, but mostly everything was written by someone outside the band, mm -hmm. external. And so throughout the years, up to, up to till now, and for the next record, this entire process is to take the songwriting from outside to inside the band. And this is thanks to Michele, mm. that this can really work because he's a singer, but he's he is a multi-instrumentist person and um, is an amazing songwriter. So he <laughs> already for... Multi-instrumentist person feels like I have a guitar in my yeah. arms, like some <laughs> X-Men, yeah. like super, super powerful. Yeah. Like, like Voltron yeah. with keyboard yeah. games, yeah. keyboards. Your like, chest and drums. Spot, we're activated. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, already from um, from Wanderers on, he was bringing songs to the band, to, to, to the records, but we did work with a producer who was the main songwriter for Visions of Atlantis. Which, surprise, surprise, is not uh, such an uncommon case anyways. Like, no, no, not uncommon, but it's not said out loud. Like so many bands use use yeah. external songwriting people that are actually... Yeah, but if you look in the credits, uh, you'll always see them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, if you buy the record. Yeah, but people do. Yeah, little people do. Like that's how I found out Kai Hansen is like, all over like every metal band in Europe. Yeah, or Sasha Path. Or Sasha, oh, yeah, one, yeah, you know? yeah, like, yeah. There are so, so many yeah. great songwriters that write yeah. for many bands and yeah. 
two little times, you know, they Hannes get, Brown. Yeah, yeah Hannes Brown. Yeah, they yeah. get they get the real the actual credit yeah. for this, you know, because yeah, yeah. of course and, and I think that I I, I feel like this myself. Like if someone else would have written songs for me, uh, as it happened in in the past of Visions of Atlantis, it's not like I feel super proud of it in mm-hmm. a way. I mean, of course, sometimes it's needed because of several reasons. I, I think you're getting you're, you're getting there, um, but it's. I truly believe that when the music comes from the artist itself, there is a different vibe. Yeah. Sorry for interruption. No, 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 you don't. No, no. <laughs> it's a conversation. You know, it's not yeah. like I have to do a monologue. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so, so yeah. So thanks to Michele, the music of Visions of Dan is getting more and more personal, more and more genuine, like coming from within the band and not from outside. We, we didn't have a choice. We, or we would have had to do a complete different thing, change the band name, change the style, because I'm not naturally writing for like symphonic metal per se. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was like, if we want to stick to, like Thomas wanted, Kazar, our, our band leader and band founder, wanted to stick to the style they used to do before. So he said, like, we want to write symphonic metal. No one can do that from within. We need, we hire someone from out, from outside. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I did collaborate with him on melodies and all. And of course, I wrote all the lyrics. Yeah. So it was not like it's completely fake. There was still a lot of heart right. put into I that. Mean, I, I, wouldn't, I don't know. I, I don't. Know, I would never use the word fake, right? Like no, but it's <laughs> like orchestras are all playing music of people that have been dead for like hundreds of years, right? Like yeah, sure. Yeah, but they yeah. don't claim this is their music. Y- yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's you know? true. But I mean, at the same time, they are putting their own spin on it, right? Like they aren't playing it one hundred percent. But it's an interpretation. It's it's like yeah. jazz. It's yeah. it's part of the musical. Yeah. It's part yeah. of this universe to yeah. be like we use what exists, but we make our own version out of it. We are a band that says we're we're creative. And having the songs coming not from within the band can look like you guys are just interprets of someone mm-hmm. else's mm-hmm. art. Mm-hmm. You um, have ownership of it now. Yeah, now we it's, have yeah, way yeah. more ownership of yeah. it. And the next record is going to be almost, almost 100% ownership. Um, and and this is where we feel more connected to the band, to right. the response from the audience. You know, also because when when you write something and you and you have thousands of people singing it it feels completely different than when you already sing a song like it's not yours you know i felt like i've been part of a cover band for quite a while mm-hmm. with visions of atlantis because of that reason but yeah so to come back to the very first question with pirates um we changed we changed producer um frankie peters who has been our producer for the last two records wrote an amazing song for us and brought visions back into the scene but we felt at some point that if we would stick to that team, we would just probably not evolve, probably like start to go into a circle mm-hmm. of going around the same ideas and stuff. And we felt like we still need to grow all the time. And yeah, it was the pandemic. It was the perfect moment to really like sit down and reflect on how we were doing things mm-hmm. with, with whom. And we had met our new producer on the road um, and he was inspired by our band. He saw us on stage every night, and he's like, "Wow, I actually love your do yeah. it, guys. I love, I love your, your, I love your like. There's, there's, there's something going on. It inspires me." And he wrote a song on the road for us, oh, uh, which is now "Melancholy Angel." Oh, yeah. and when we heard that song, we were like, "What the hell?" <laughs> oh, we were like, this, this is actually cool. This yeah, is, this, this is, is pretty cool. good. <laughs> it's, a great, um, it's a great song. Yeah, it's definitely a great song. Absolutely, yeah. and as hard as it is to come up with that uh, conclusion we were like yeah this is of a higher better songwriting level that what we've been coming up with Mm. so far um so we had a discussion with him we had our discussion with our producer and we all understood okay for the sake of the band we need to yeah upgrade the team and having him on board 
is one of the reasons why pirates is pirates. So he actually was like inspired in the way that he wrote a couple more songs for for the album. But we also said like now having more time with the pandemic and all, we'd like to try to bring as many songs as we can from within the yeah. band because this already it it just feels you know you can write songs why not like having our own material we're a real band like that like we it's our creation so we had to find a balance here but it went very well because Meek's material just went you as a songwriter like came up with so many brilliant ideas if you have think of, if i think of legends of the seas massa the hurricane right. actually basically clocks all, this, all the, these all, are your songs all, all the, the singles like, was you yeah Bloody. all the singles except awesome. all the singles except for melancholy angel mm. uh, in the end were songs of mine that has yeah, been totally. chosen yeah. and actually true to be told master the hurricane clocks and legion of the seas are also the least affected by the production process because of course we will get there but at a certain point the role of the producer is to scramble your ideas mm-hmm. you know you bring ideas, you put them in the plate, yeah. but then you still are the artist and the musician, you know? So, of course, as I was telling you during an interview um, on, on the boat, the producer has a completely different ear, yeah. and when he listens to your material, he knows that something are to be changed. But true to be told, Legion, Master, and, and Clocks are basically unchanged. On the deposit level, yeah. these songs are 100% <laughs> ours. Yeah. <laughs> they kind of made it past the producer in the sense that he, he didn't go like, oh, I don't know about... But, just left. Yeah, most yeah, of yeah. It basically, basically, all the all the structures of, of these three songs, all the melodies, all the arrangements are basically untouched. It, even even the orchestra, like Master the Hurricane, is one of the of the songs that has been touched the least in terms of orchestral arrangement, either because of course. Maybe this is a topic that we will touch later on, but there is a massive work in terms of arrangement in Visions of Atlantis mm-hmm. because, of course, you know, writing a song for a trash metal band is one thing. Uh, I'm not saying that it's easier. Maybe it's like just different patterns. Well, less instruments. But exactly, there is less less instrument that you have to work on. When it comes to visions, there is an orchestra that you have to arrange because we're playing symphonic metal. We want to do it properly, and we don't want the strings, you know, to go with one line. Okay, that that's it. That that's how you know it ends. We have like. 30, 40 tracks of orchestra plus keys plus arrangement, and everything has to be dealt with properly. You know, like when I write the orchestras for our songs, I start with at least 16 tracks, and it's not like the six string tracks, they're doing the same thing. It's not like the strings go in one direction and everything else follows. It's thought with an, an actually complex harmonic mindset, and you also have to think of what a real cello player would do in that moment or what a real uh, string player would do in that moment so it's not like it's it's not just midi you see you you have to think as that musician to make it work decently and properly otherwise it's not efficient it's fake it's 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 different to write for an orchestra than write on a keyboard yeah it's yeah. two completely different different things you have to you know think of the melody and the progression of the melody in the harmonic uh ground so it's not easy. Yeah. And Master, uh, getting back to the point, Master is one of the least touched on this side, which makes me proud because it's a complicated song, of course. <laughs> Can you walk us through, like, just a, a little bit of where a song will start and how it gets to there? Like, when you actually, you know, like, maybe, like, whatever little nugget, whatever seed of an idea Master the Hurricane started as and then how you took it from that to the final product. I can, but I'm not sure she's done. We'll go back to that then. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> exactly. 
exactly. No, fair enough. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, no, my, my, the last part to the first question of how is this songwriting process now looking like is that the, our producer is, as Mikele said, like taking our ideas and making the best out of it, uh, helping us cut the unnecessary, helping us bring the efficiency level to some degrees more, um, helping us just reflect on some harmonical evolution. It's more like like we're writing together now with him. And um, and yeah, we, we, we learned a lot through that process. And I think right now we found the right team to, to bring our music to the level we want it to be at because we still could just not have a producer write our songs and they'll still be good because I know the material that Meeks produced on his own. But we also want to catch up, you know, Visions has been on the on the road for so long, but yet this is our first headline tour in the US. So it feels like, yeah, we don't want to waste potential on, on music and songs and all. We were like, whatever we do, we want to bring it to the highest level we can. It's the same with the looks, the videos. It's It's our mindset, like... We invest a lot in, in what we're doing and we want everything to be at the best we can deliver at that time, at that period of time to try to, to try to give us our best shot because we only have this life to live, this career to have. And we're ready to just put our ego aside and be like, yeah, our idea is good, but we still need external help to make it, to make them amazing. That's fine because yeah. we want to play and give to people amazing music. That's the point. One, one of the most difficult things that it, uh, that I find getting across to bands and musicians is uh, there's like the ego that they that they feel like no I I I don't need help I have to do it by myself or I can do it good enough and they can't um, be true to the true truthful about where their deficiencies are yeah right and uh, a lot of the times it's like oh this would have been great if if they if they would just get out of their way on these yeah. certain things. Yeah. And it's like... Literally happens all the time. Pretty much almost every band I uh, end up working with has that to some level. You don't even really have to think of them as like deficiencies in the sense like every musician can do a certain number of things, which is why you have a drummer and a bass player and a guitarist, you know? And like, at, at least like local bands who haven't really done the, you know, or whatever smaller, anybody who hasn't worked with on a certain level with like a real producer or whatever, they just don't even really know that like you need an arranger if you're doing like a bigger orchestral thing or like a, a producer to, to be a goalie to cut out like the, the 10 minutes of riffs before the song starts, you know, like whatever. And it's just because they don't have that, that skill set. They don't realize that there's a whole other skill set that needs to happen. And yeah. um, you guys seem to have really embraced that at least. And uh, you know, there, it sounds like for a while it was a lot of the things were outsourced and then you've taken them back because now you have those that skill set within the band. So it makes way more sense on a number of different levels, not the least of which that if you if you guys are writing the songs, you're getting the songwriting royalties. Yeah, yeah sure. You know, and, of course. And stuff like that, which is, you know, which is a, a pretty big deal and gets a becomes a bigger deal the longer the band is a band, you know. So now you uh, you guys are working with a producer in a in a less i would say almost like a less invasive sense but still trusting them to do their job yeah i think i think like. i think this is the right way like this the one that the one that we finally reached uh at the end of pirates or during pirates and 
that we will work, like the, the workload that we will have for the next record that we are already having actually for the next record because there are a couple of songs that are already written and two of them are already produced actually, almost three right now. So like things are already moving, but right now we're doing it the right way. Like the ideas come from us. Like uh, we really serve on the plate a song that is complete with arrangements, with guitars, with bass, with vocals, fake lyrics still, you know, <laughs> this is- this Placeholders. Is yeah, exactly. This is the last thing that we uh, work on, that she works on. The lyrics are 100% uh, Clemmy's uh, trademark in uh, in Visions of Atlantis. And this is also for the previous record, to be honest, which is an important thing because uh, she designs a universe around Visions. It's not like uh, every song could have a... I mean, it does. Every song has a different and, and unique meaning, but there is an overall picture that has to be uh, kept in mind mm -hmm. and this a universe that has to be designed and this is 100% coming from Clemmy. But yeah, right now, as you said, the producer work is less invasive. I like I like this word, but still um, impactful. Mm -hmm. This is this is also a thing, you know. Like there are parts of the new songs that have been really cut out from the song, for instance. And at a certain point, I remember you even said, "Okay, but uh, one thing is, you know, uh, changing a reef. One other thing is, you know, cutting out a part or or being." And and I was like, you know what? I I, I I'm okay with this. Because I still believe that the vision of the um, of the producer is something that needs to be listened to, you know, like needs to be taken into account. And he, like Felix in this case, because we really trust him, uh, he really has a, a, a good uh, ear, a good eye, a good uh, way of impacting on our on our on our music, understanding what's not necessary. By the list for for the listener actually, um, because I also believe that one issue with musicians in general is that we think of the songs uh, for how we play them. So of course one thing is playing a song, and if a riff is played four times in a row for four cycles, this might be cool in terms of musicianship, but it might be unnecessary in terms of listening experience. And this is a huge difference, you know? Like if I enjoy playing something, it doesn't mean that someone enjoys listening, listening to, to this for four times. So my, it might be the two are enough. And this is probably hard, you know, to relate to it for all the musicians. If there is a, I cool could kiss note, you on the mouth for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> my whole my whole audience needs to hear that shit. You know, and and sometimes we get, yeah, a bit. Uh, Wanky, <laughs> in what, in what we're like, oh, this is so cool. Let let's show off that I can do it four times in a row with the same technique and with the same skill. Like, oh, this is so cool. with no variation. Exactly. Yeah. So, of course, of course, I bang my head. I I enjoy what I'm doing. It's like so. It's like winning, you know, a guitar hero after having played uh, through the fire and flames twice in a row. You know, like yeah. if I do it, I, I'm so proud of myself. But you know, there are other people there that want to play too. You see what I mean? Yeah. So it's complicated. It's finding the balance in the way between, like, I do believe that when you write music, the very origin, the very source is about yourself, for yourself. Like, there is something that needs to come out. And it comes out of you because this is, like, yeah, you're designed to put that out. But as much as it comes from within, it is to be thrown out there to the world, to people to listeners, to music lovers, to people who will exactly need what you came up with. Exactly like that, it's a matter of, yeah, this is this is how I feel like my music that right now is is on the plate. This is this is what I felt, this is where it is, this is me. And that's why it's so sensitive to come back to 
musicians not being able to drop things and be like it has to be because it comes from such a vulnerable place when it's genuine, of course. And so you bring that up and you're like, this is exactly how I want my music to be like. And you have someone from the outside judging it from his own emotional response, but also from his own knowledge, because our producer, of course, like it's a musician, he's a musician, he's educated in music. You know, he has an analysis of music. It's, there is objectivity mixed up with subjectivity. And he'd be like, yeah, well, though your idea is really cool. But as you said, this is too much self-reflecting. Like it's too much about how much you enjoy singing, singing this, doing this, but... But we need to make it in a way that other people would welcome that and be touched and be. And this also is something that a lot of songwriters sometimes don't want to take too much into account. Like, why is it that my music, no one is interested in it? Because you you make it for yourself and you don't consider who's listening to it. The same with production level. You know, you you want your songs to be added to playlists. You want your songs to be loved and all. And you put zero effort in making it at the production level that is what is out there in the world where pe what people are, are used to listen to. You make a, a home production that doesn't sound good and you want people to dig your sound. Yeah, but you have to put yourself in the ears of the people who are going to listen to that from the outside. And it has to be true, but it has to be polished to the world. Yeah, this is why I, uh, I believe Trey also uh, tells people this, especially in new bands. I always tell them, Don't make an EP, don't make an album, just make singles because you don't even know yet what you're, what you're writing is going to even resonate with anybody. And it's extremely expensive and time consuming to make an EP or an album. Like that's just a lot of wasted time and money just to find out that, oh, what I wrote didn't resonate. I have to try something else, right? So I always tell people, uh, do a single, spend as much money as you possibly, no, I shouldn't say money. You should make it the best production you can possibly make. Yeah. If you wrote, like, write 10 songs, right? You chose the one song that you thought was the best song, right? You spent all your effort, time, and money to make the best possible production. And if that fails, chances are the album was, was, yeah. was not chances, guaranteed the album was not yeah, going to work. If your best song doesn't pop off, yeah. putting an album's worth of effort into it and promotion and everything behind it, then, of course, yeah, a whole album would have been, uh, each song would have been a, Tenth as good and right, <laughs> so yeah. yeah. And uh, once you're taking it seriously as a real band, and people actually care about what you've got to offer, then it's a whole other ball game. Yeah. Um, then you but, can get into EPs and doing more. Stuff yeah, you also have more chances to get a decent deal. Yeah, if exactly. you start with singles, you know, because yeah. if you are interesting with one or two songs, you don't have everything already prepared and spoiled, and you can, you know, deal with the label for what will happen afterwards. Yeah. If you have a record that is ready and you invested your money into it and everything is done and settled, but you are still no one, it's more likely that you have wasted time. Yeah, I agree 100%. Yeah, for yeah I, I've noticed uh, in my personal experience that um, if you have a, an album that's already completely done and you're going to a label and you do sign with a label, they, they don't take it as seriously. I guess mostly because they know the deal they're going to make with you is not going to be very... It's not going to be very fruitful for them because the album's done. It's already paid for and everything, right? You're, they're basically just distributing that album at that point. Yeah. Um. So they don't feel like they have to put that much effort. And it kind of, in my experience, I don't know. Is yeah, I agree. Not uh, on this. Not agree. really worth it if you're if you're uh, if you're in that position. Yeah. It also feels more special, you know. If one or two songs are good enough to make you stand out, to make you interesting, it makes you know people behind the desk think that some investment is worth it. Yeah. 
That happened to our buddy uh, Jason, his band Helion Prime. The band's very first song that they released, and it was the very first song as a band, uh, like went viral. Like they got like over a million views on YouTube, and that's a good indication. <laughs> That they've that, got something worth something. Hey, that's you, you probably got something there, right? And then they made an album and they got signed and all that stuff. But yeah. yeah. Cool. That's the way really to do cool. it. So why don't you walk us through the creation of a, one of the songs? I think, I mean, Master of the Hurricane is my personal favorite. It's also a really long one. So it's pro- <laughs> there's yeah. probably a lot. But that one or, or, or one that you can like remember the most of or whatever. Just like what, like what? was the little, boop, you know, the little thing that you were like, oh, I got to get this down, and then to the end. So as I was telling you on the boat, uh, with with me, it's pretty weird sometimes because, uh, repeating myself again, um, I have this radio that is always playing in my mind. You know, remember we were making the Lou Reed mm-hmm. example, yeah, and Lou thing, Reed, which, in which thing. I reflect myself. Like, there is this radio that plays the song uh, in, in, in my brain, and sometimes I just need to close my eyes and listen to what's going on. And of course, this is where um, all my experience and all my uh, studies <laughs> makes <laughs> makes sense right now because thanks to, you know, uh, harmonic knowledge, theory knowledge, and of course, uh, Cubase and uh, DAW's uh, knowledge, I can actually transpose what I hear into uh, music that is like uh, uh, forgeable and, and editable on, on, on the computer. You know, this is the, uh, the hard part. But in general, if I close my eyes and listen to what's going on, I hear everything. And the more I focus, the more I listen. As if you're listening to a song, you know, when you start focusing on the kick drum, you hear how the kick drum goes. If you start focusing on the guitars, you hear how the guitars go. The guitars go. And then it's about how much you understand what's going on. Because exactly as if you are listening to the radio, to understand and track down the reef, you need to combine your knowledge and your abilities and your ear and trying to practice. And this is exactly what I do. You know, I I start listening to the notes. I start defining the key. Uh, of course, once the key is defined, in, in the case of Master the Hurricane, actually everything started with a chorus, to be honest. I started from there because I think, okay, this is the part that I don't want to lose. If anything happens, this is what I want to keep uh, exactly as I'm listening to it right now um, in my brain, of course. So I started with the chords, like easy, like I took my guitars, uh, I found the right one in terms of key because I have several guitars, uh, each one in different keys so that it simplifies the recording process and once the key was found I was like, okay, it goes like this, 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 this this, this, and I found the harmonic cycle to track down put down uh, the harmonic cycle with the guitars I recorded the guitars I start to write the drums this is the second step because I believe that guitars, melody and rhythm are the three fundamental elements for uh, for my way of songwriting. So um, the melody, I keep it in mind. I, I have it, I save it, I'm a singer, I can sing it anytime. But guitars, I need to understand what's going on. And drums, I need to write it down. Of course, I hear it, so it's easier, and it got easier and easier with time. But then, uh, you know, I open my Cubase, I use Easy Drummer for drums uh, with... Uh, some uh, Steven Slade uh, triggers on it to you know uh, you know how it works Sauce I guess it up a bit yeah. exactly yeah. <laughs> exactly to make it a bit more uh, real <laughs> and, and efficient and I start uh, I open my preset because I have a preset of course a template yeah. uh, on Cubase starting down um, starting to write down the the drum pattern and once everything worked 
the next step is taking my SM7 and recording uh, the main vocal line, which normally sounds super shit because it's lines that I wrote for her, that I write for her. <laughs> so it's like me singing like, uh, yeah. Virgin's <laughs> bring the rain. <laughs> I actually, actually, I do this. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. Uncanny. That. I know this pain. Yeah. I've... I've <laughs> When when she goes lyrical, I I fake the lyrical <laughs> voice, you know. And I would love to hear some of those demos. Uh, yeah, <laughs> privately, yes. Yeah. Publicly, mm. <laughs> okay. And Glorious. from from the chorus, I mean, I need to re-listen the song in my mind. So I stop when once everything works, and I I like recollect the fact that it's fine. That is exactly how I had it in mind. This is where I start re-listening to what I have in mind and. Uh, work on other parts. Of course, now it's where the orchestra becomes important because sometimes in visions, it's not the voice that uh, tracks the main line, the main melody, but it might be like the flute or it might be a violin. It might be, you know, like this. Yeah, this theme is, is on the strings. Um, and it begins with a, with a flute. So I need to, first of all, find the instrument that I'm listening to which can be painful because sometimes it means like scrolling through libraries and libraries and libraries until you find the right one. But also this gets uh, easier and easier with time. Um, and I wrote down that line. Then I wrote down another line so that I build up the, the song just with the main lines. This is something that I that I do, you know. So like flute, then violins, then guitar team, you know, the solo. Dun, 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 dun. This was a, a guitar uh, solo at the very beginning. Now it's blend between guitars and, and strings. So I build up the song considering the main line because once the main melody is tracked down and it goes from the beginning to the end, everything else is about building harmonies and this can also be changed. Like I'm not so attached to the original version that I have in mind because sometimes the simple uh, chord uh, progression that I have in mind can be tweaked. This is something we do so often, you know, like sometimes she's like, okay, I like this, but I'm sure we can get to something more twisty, like with something more like uh, interesting, twisty. you know? And, and, and we, of course, every melody has a simple chord progression be below it, but it can be changed, you know, sometimes a minor chord can become diminished or, you know, a major chord can become minor and still the progression works, you know, in terms of uh, emotion because in the end it's all about the emotional level. Mm. And this is something we, we really work on afterwards. So main melody, main chords, progression below, below the melody and I build up the song. Then I, wrote, I write the drums. And then I start arranging a basic orchestra like support, I would say, with just, uh, you know, first, third, fifth, or sometimes fourth, like super, super basic. And once the skeleton of the song is ready, I start arranging. Uh, but in this process, in the arranging process, there are a lot of chord changes. There are a lot of add-ons that comes with uh, other orchestral instruments. Sometimes there are plot twists in which the original instrument is changed completely because I realized that, okay, this is what I was hearing, but maybe with this other instrument, it sounds better. This happened, for instance, uh, substantially, I mean, not in, in, in a song that I wrote, but Heroes of the Dawn changed completely because at the very beginning, we didn't have this uh, ethnic flute playing the melody. It was yeah, a guitar, remember? Uh, yeah, the song but, is from Wanderers, yeah. from Pirates. And it was like, a generic song, but then that ethnic flute made the song 
yeah. one of our most yeah, listened, yeah. basically. Yeah, it, g- it gave it this folk touch that just fit the song so well and transported the listener into a completely different place. Yeah, the choice mm-hmm. of instrument and colors is so peculiar, so important, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, of course, like, again, melody, harmonic progression, build up of the bas- most basic version, and then I start asking things. But the original part is super, super spontaneous, yeah. super, super simple, super, super efficient and straightforward. And from there is where I like the knowledge starts to make a difference. Mm. But before that, the song has to work. Like the most basic version of the song needs to be efficient, otherwise, you know, it goes to the trash right so, up. So do you do you, you do all the keyboards and orchestrations on, on the albums and uh the in the Pre-productions. In pre-production, okay. Because afterwards, we have this guy called uh, Lucas Knobel. Lucas Knobel, he works for a lot of other bands, Xandria, um, Serenity, several others. <laughs> I, I, I won't remember them all, but he works for, for many others. And he's a cinematic score writer. So he also writes for video games. He also writes for movies and everything else. And we decided, again, we from Pirates, Pirates is the first record, to put him in charge of the final orchestration. So I send him the midis, and from that, he does his, his thing. Sometimes it's really, really, really uh, changing things. Yeah. Sometimes it's just a matter of uh, having better libraries, better mm-hmm. sounds, more realistic uh, yeah. material. This is, you know, an important part of the game. Of course. <laughs> yeah. So at what point do you hand it off to Clementine for the vocal, for the lyric writing, or are you, yeah, so, uh, and when you get it, do, are the melodies all mostly there, or are you also writing some melodies along with the lyrics? Well, most of the time, at least for the last three records, I start writing the final lyrics once the melody is final. Because, you know, we want to not make that mistake that a lot of European bands used to do is like having a broken English over the melodies, right? Where, unfortunately, the, the words you, f- you chose, they don't match the rhythm, the accent, whatever. And this is, this is, this is terrible. Um, so <laughs> we think, try. I think, I think Nightwish to this day, they, uh, they have somebody helping them with that. They have the guy from uh, Apocalyptica. All right. But that's, that's great because, yeah. because of course you're not a native native speaker so um, I always make mistakes on accents tonic uh, what accents. do you mean I am a native speaker now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like 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 that one time I said Canada and they looked at me like what are you talking about yeah, yeah sorry yeah, everybody knows Canadian I think people probably it's uh, because it's because you say Canadian but you say Canada it is oh, like right, it fucked right, my mind right, up right, right yeah. <laughs> there's so, a lot of weird English rules. yeah so I think probably uh, people would forget because you guys speak great English and then, and then you like make a little mistake like that, and they're like, "Oh, right, you guys are. This is your second language that you're speaking in. Oh, wow." <laughs> yeah. So we definitely. I, I can barely speak it as my first language. <laughs> yeah, we noticed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we really want to avoid that. So in order not to spend too like it would be a waste of time to start writing lyrics on non-confirmed melodies because what if we change a thing? Whatever we would change, I would have to probably write an entire paragraph again and. And because I put so much effort in trying to bring value to the lyrics and not just sing the the first thing that comes to my mind that oh, whatever, I I want to wait for the like very final version so that I know who sings what, um, I know how the songs evolves, I know like the color of our voices, and then I can picture a whole image like characters, our ambience, or even storyline, 
And I don't really manage to do that if I'm not 100% sure of what's going to be the final thing. Because otherwise, yeah, it, might be a, it could be that I would have to completely change my approach to the song. And this could be just counterproductive. So I do get to the to the fine to to writing lyrics when when every like the pre-production are written in stone probably like most of the time, and um, so I know the melodies, and sometimes even if I know the melodies, words come naturally to them, and I keep that, and I put that as a start. It could be in the chorus, it could be on the bridge, it could be the first line, it could be the end. It never is the same, but I get inspired by something like there is a. And sometimes even from our fake lyrics, because we still sing real words. Sometimes they just don't make any sense put together, but it's still real words. And sometimes there is one sound that I love or that one word I love, like in Master of the Hurricane, clay, that we sing in the, cor- in, the, in the chorus. It's like that word here, it's difficult to put clay in lyrics, but it just, it fit. And I, was, I, 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 like, I put that one in there in the final lyrics and I'm, I'm going to, Write something around that that will make sense. Devin Townsend does a similar method of writing lyrics. He's, he does it actually almost. I think almost. I think just just that way, right? I don't know. I'd, oh. I've never seen him do it. Oh, but okay. like, yeah. you mean like gibberish, and then yeah, like, yeah, he, and then he, like replacing it with well, yeah, real words. Uh, he, yeah, he he he'll he'll just like basically sing whatever comes to mind first. It mostly is gibberish, but sometimes there's like a word or two. He's like, yeah, you know, maybe I could start from here, and I like this. I want to yeah. keep this. Yeah, and, yeah, because. Yeah. In the end, when you start singing, there is um, especially there, there is something that is no longer so um, conscious. You know, this singing is connecting to your soul in a way. And for me, at least, sometimes I sing stuff, and it's like messages that I wasn't aware of, or things that I needed to dig into, like sentences or just things I would say and that revealed to me something that I wasn't aware of or something that I just needed to say and like wow and I and I sometimes I feel like it doesn't even come from me like it's it's channeling something else and uh yeah and when that happens it's just stronger you can't resist this you're like this is this is what I have to talk about this is what I have to say here and and then yeah I build the song around it and and then, yeah, I love to be in my zone to to write lyrics. Um, generally, I do that over three weeks every night for two hours per night. Sometimes nothing happens in two hours, but at least I had words spinning in my head, images and feelings and all. And sometimes it flows. Um, and I let the song inspire something to me. So the song has to touch me first. It's really difficult to write when you're not touched, you know, like it, when it it's not inspiring you anything, really. It's like, I know this is going to be so artificial, <laughs> what I'm going to write, I have to write it. So it's easier when I'm touched by the music um, and I can create like a movie in my head. That's why I love Visions to be such a visual band now because I think I'm in love with the visual work that goes with music. I think when I listened to music when I was a, was a kid, I, uh, it would inspire me, colors and all, and, all and, and shapes. And it's, yeah... Music and images to me are just and completely intertwined, and um, so yeah, I, I start from a feeling, from a picture, from characters, from a storyline that I that I feel would fit the mood of the song, and I have a list of all the words that fit the pirate world because because I'm like um, I use the pirate word as a metaphor for whatever we go through, so there's always a double meaning. In the song, can I ask real quick? At what point did you guys decide that this 
album was going to be pirates, like straight up pirates. And like, did that come because you wrote a song that fit that and then you were like, let's make it the whole album? Or like, were you going into the writing process knowing like every song is going to be pirate themed? And then, you know what I mean? So there are two questions in your question. There was. So <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, quickly. First one, when I joined Visions of Atlantis late 2013, I told Thomas he wanted to make a final record and a goodbye. Like, like he wanted that was to, the plan. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, he wanted to end it. He was all over, like the, the lineup broke up in a very horrible way. And he was fed up, you know, after 15 years, he was like, I do final record and, and, and like, just try, try to end, end the band in a, in a nice way than just falling apart. Like, Jason needs to listen to this podcast. <laughs> listen, Jason, listen. <laughs> so, um, so one last record, a goodbye tour, and that was it. So I told Tom, okay, he was like, would you, Clementine from Serenity, I was in Serenity back then, would you like to help us do that? That was the plan. I was like, I felt so sorry. And also, you were going to help him lower the body into the grave. Exactly. Uh, it was like, uh, I like symphonic metal. I would have loved to have a record like that because this is where I come from when it comes to my history with the metal. So I was like, yeah, sure. I want to help you that. My only condition is that I write, I write my the lyrics because I don't want to, like, if I sing someone else's music, it's fine. But if I sing someone else's music, there is so little I can connect with that I'm I'm going to lose my interest, like in my motivation. Uh so I was like, told him I need to write a lyric. So I was like, all right, I'm joining Visions of Planets. I have to write lyrics for this band's for this band. What is the band universe about? And then you go through the discography and you see all the the, the changes of the lineup, the changes of mood in the songwriting and all. And you try to find a thread, like the one thing that sticks the whole history together. It's the ocean. It was the element that always was there. So I was like, all right. So we keep the ocean. It's nice, you know. You can you can sing so much using the ocean as itself or for metaphor or for historical backgrounds. The ocean is so rich. So I was like, that's cool. And then I thought, okay, mm, we're metalheads. We're sort of rebels. And we sing about the ocean. Who, who, who are the rebels of the ocean? It's pirates. Yes. And back in 2013, I was like, oh my God, Thomas, Thomas, Thomas. We have to become a pirate band. With just the imagery, you know, we because it makes so much sense and it's so strong and it's amazing and everyone loves pirates or has a relationship to pirates, has something they can relate to with pirates. You know, it's a universal, timeless theme, you know. And it was like, uh, no, <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, I don't like pirates. It's lame. It's got to be carnival. Which which was a risk. Absolutely. Even, even for now. You know? ba- yeah. Back this, then. This was a huge risk. Yeah. Us, back yeah. then there was no such thing theme band you know there was no big power wolf yet around there was no uh like war kings or bands that had a theme like that going on and it was 2013 so maybe i was just too early <laughs> but i'm aquarius i'm a pioneer you know <laughs> anyway um so i was like too bad but i'm not giving up on that idea so i did already back then for the deep in the dark throw in some pirate stuff like if you listen to the silent mutiny it is a pirate song um, if you watch our video, uh, The Deep in the Dark, they are the people from Jebenich Gravity, a Swedish pirate band. They appear in the song, in the video. There was a pirate fight. There was a pirate uh, fight. So, um, so in a way, I was like, okay, we're not going to be pirates, but we're going to be some sailors related to that theme. And Wanderers was just another way of being around the pirate themes. Like we were like... Uh, wrecked people, you know, like lost souls, like wandering 
to be to to understand who they are and what what their goal was. It was like the the pre state of actually acknowledging, yeah, we are pirates. And so I never gave up on that idea. And when we started to re- to write for pirates, the theme was not there yet. So some of the songs, like Melancholy Angel, for instance, was written far before the process. So this was not yet uh, having the pirate uh, theme in mind. That is why if you listen to the song itself, it's not, it doesn't convey any pirate pirateish vibe at all. Even now with the lyrics, it doesn't, but it doesn't matter. Um, it's at some point rewrote together Pirates for Return because I was like still wanting to have a pirate vibe. This song came from my piano theme you have at the beginning that I always heard with an organ. And I was like, this. I want to start a song with that. And we wrote that song like flowing part after part and we called it Pirates for Return. And and then we were like, how are we going to call our record? And we thought of calling it Pirates for Return. And then at some point our... our our producer was like, but you, you guys, you, you, you seem to be like talking about pirates all the time and, and your music is so related to, to pirates. And why, why aren't you just a pirate band? And when he said that, it was the right time from the right person to the right person. And then, yeah, Thomas at that time understood that this could be a move for, that would help our band push it further, make it more substantially c- consistent and... So, yeah. You incepted it into his mind back in 2013. I know. At the time, it he took was like, nah, the longest no. inception yeah, ever. And then, yeah. and, then the, yeah, and then the producer's like, hey, why don't you do this? And he's like, I thought of the idea to, for us to be a pirate band. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, sure, buddy. You, DiCaprio, right. uh, you suck <laughs> yeah. in comparison to this girl. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Um, I think it just the time it needed to do to take and i'm very happy it happened it happened because i was already convinced 10 years ago that it was what we were supposed to do uh, i don't know if we would have changed anything if we would have done done it earlier maybe um but it doesn't matter now it's done and so in the middle of the songwriting process it was it was stated officially like guys now we we belong visually and lyrically and musically to a certain degree to a more pirate universe. Uh, yet, and this is very important because we get that question a lot, we still are a symphonic metal band. So we do not want to write pirate music per se. We might come up sometimes with some cool songs that that reflect the party mood of pirates and, and, and or the warfare of, pirate, of pirates and, and having those organic instruments for back in the days because it just is cool. But we're not going to be a new Ailstorm or Running Wild being a pirate band, a hundred percent. We we are we do symphonic metal, but our universe is put back into a fantasy pirate world, meaning it's not history related. It's completely made up because it's just way more fun. We bring in magic into it too. <laughs> in all our videos, there is something magical going on. So yeah, it's all what we love thrown yeah, into that. Going, going back to the songwriting topic, like fully into into the songwriting topic, I think this is uh, extremely important. Like we never write the songs thinking this has to be a pirate song. This is what makes the difference. It didn't happen to pirates, and I think it's extremely important that, it, that we keep this mindset, that it, uh, that we avoid uh, this uh, um, mentality also for our future productions, because what I think makes a huge difference in Visions of Atlantis is that we keep the uh, unicity of the band in terms of sound, because in the end, uh, for as much as 
everyone might say, or everyone, or a lot of comments on YouTube might say, oh, you are just copying Nightwish, you're doing this, blah, 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 blah. I truly believe that there is a huge difference between VOA and others, all the other symphonic metal bands, because first of all, we are, they were the first, and we still are the uh, one and only band who has two clean male vocalists in symphonic metal. Very, uh, very big difference. Which, which right is there. you know, which which is an, an extremely important thing. And when I write melodies, or when we write melodies in general, we always think to have two strong uh, hooks. You know, this this makes it really dif- difficult. In, 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 to me, at least, like I I like discard a lot of melodies because they work for one singer only. And they have to work for two singers. In our case, this is a important thing to keep in mind when you write, and it makes it extremely more difficult than than extremely uh, harder compared to write a song for one singer only. Mm-hmm. Because when we sing on stage, we sing together, and if my hook is like not as cool as her, then the song loses something. So it's rare that she has a hook and I sing, you know, a, a harmony only. Or it happens for some songs, but they are mixed differently. This is also something I was telling you in the uh, on the boat, Melancholy Angel, which is a song that doesn't come from us, and this is something that you can tell by the way it's written. For instance, has Clemmy in the center of the mix, and my voice is spread aside because this is a song written basically for one singer that we divided as a duet. It's a regular duet, a Visions of Atlantis symphonic metal trademarked track, which. It's different. Like, uh, if right. you analyze it, if you listen to it, if you notice this little detail, it really changes the complete approach that approach that we have uh, in the songwriting and that a listener might have in, in listening to Visions of Atlantis. Mm. One thing is writing a duet for, you know, two singers when at a certain point the second singer jumps in, sings the second verse, sings, sings the second chorus, and then they do it together. One harmonizes the other for the main melody in the, in the final version, or in the final chorus. This is one thing. A completely different thing is writing song for two singers you know and and we are not a growler and a clean uh, singer as many others have and i think this is extremely extremely peculiar in visions of atlantis it was there back then it is still there right now and this it, to my eyes and to my ears makes us unique yeah i mean what's the only the only other band i can think of is well it's not really two it's not really two singers but avantage is the only one that has multiple which is a metal opera, right? Right. Which yeah. is a metal opera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so it's it's not like the official lineup right. w- where there is like the the yeah, guy yeah. and the girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't think of any other band. Can you? No. Yeah. Uh, not in metal, at least. Well, not in symphonic metal. Yeah, exactly. Well, definitely mean, not in symphonic. Like, exactly. Yeah. Like Kuna Coil yeah. has like a similar thing, but they don't sound anything. But he he um, growls a lot. Yeah, he does, he does growl a lot. He, he yeah. growls a lot. You know, I think yeah. yeah, Marco Yatala though. From Nightwish was Still, the clear, clear singer. But it was not a trademark to have two singers yeah. duetting. No, no, no. Like, it was, it like, was, no, no, it was, like it was a just, song here just a guest. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at a certain point, Marco was singing, you know, uh, Master Passion Greed yeah. or or this other track, you know, like uh, there is another famous one, The Ballad, that he, that he sings. The Islander? Islander. Uh, yeah, Islander, The Islander, yeah. exactly. Um, so, of course, yeah. it, it happened that he was singing, but it's not duets all the time and no, it's no. not like duets yeah. with two hooks, which... <laughs> <laughs> which really yeah, yeah, for sure. makes, it, makes it hard on the on, yeah. the, on the songwriting songwriting mm-hmm. level. Yeah, so you're you're approaching it differently is the is the is the important thing. Yeah. Like there are other maybe other bands who do a, something similar, but there's a, a huge difference in in your mindset going into it and the way that you're you're looking at it. You'll like you said, you can't just sort of go back and forth like 
tack on some random stuff. It's you're always thinking of it in terms of it's a duet. Absolutely, from absolutely, and especially again from from the chorus, you know, from the hook of the song. This is where both lines have to be efficient. Both efficient. So writing for one singer is a completely different thing. Because if a melody works for one singer, it's not given that you can harmonize with a harmony that is as efficient as the hook. It's absolutely a different world, you know? Mm -hmm. So sometimes you have to change things to make it work. You have to change melodies. You have to uh, sometimes discard melodies because they just they just don't work, you know? So it's it's complicated. But anyways, anyways what I was saying is that um, despite this, we still don't write pirate songs. We write Visions of Atlantis songs, and then it's the lyrics and the universe that Clemmy creates around the um, the songs that makes it piratish. If if we were singing about I don't know flowers and animals, we would not be a pirate band, but the songs would still be the same. Right. And this is also peculiar, in my opinion. This is something that we need to keep in mind, and I personally fight for. Mm. Because sometimes our producer told us, why don't you write pirate songs that goes into, you know, that universe from the very beginning? And I'm like, you know what? To me, this would be a mistake. I really care about keeping the musical visions of Atlantis as it is, and then we create a world around it. Yeah. And also for with the lyrics, um, as much as I want them to be obviously talking about oceans and pirates and all in the end i want people to be able to relate you know if you talk about just the story or back in the days of whatever pirates and what they did um it might be very interesting for people interested in history but it might not make them relate in their own life of 2023 you know if if you just read the lyrics even of mass of the hurricane i do talk about it's a freaking storm coming over but you can just have a storm in your life at any time. It doesn't have yeah. to be on the ship. It doesn't have to be like it's massive wave, massive waves and tornadoes and all yeah. destroying you. It yeah, be people just... bring their own meaning to exactly. Yeah. And this is something that is very important to me. Coming back to <laughs> the fact that we do music for others, also as we do it for us, is like I want to have. I wanted to be able to to help people so that so that they can relate. Try to have the most universal message because. Yeah, this this is meant for, for, for people to enjoy and find comfort. And presumably, people who are listening to your music aren't all pirates, <laughs> right? Exactly. So, like, you're not writing songs for, be like, oh, maybe there's, like, a ship full of Somali pirates somewhere exactly. who are, like, your yeah. biggest fans. and the, But you, right, if it was, if you want people to I relate. I love that band, Visions of Atlantis. <laughs> if you want people to relate. This is it's, good pirate, it's, pirating it's just music. A, it's just a vehicle for the thing that you're for the meaning. Yeah, That's, pirates yeah. are human beings, and uh, they experience feelings and doubts and fears and and issues as much as we do. And it's like I want to give those humans a voice that people can relate with, and it just looks cool. It just looks like a movie. It's just part of that fantasy universe. Yeah. Also, also, there's already bands like Elstorm and Swashbuckle yeah, why, why and all these bands out there. Like, why would you no. want to copy no, 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 them anyway? For sure, yeah. Yeah. for sure, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. I, I definitely agree with what you guys ended up saying. Not, not to forget that anyways, our uh, pirate universe is really romantic in right. general. You know, it's not yeah. like we are uh, <laughs> the pirates that go seize other ship and, you know, uh, assault people and, right. and, and everything else. We... Uh, we come from a, a, 
a world uh, we, we create a world in which pirates are heroes in a, well, in, in a uh, way. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know my pirate history too well, but didn't pirates actually start off like like that? Well, I don't I don't know my pirate history too much, but didn't it's, it start it's off about that way? it's about freedom. It's right. outcast. It's about freedom. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah people who yeah. Um, at some point. Uh, had the guts to uh, break rules and um, be criminals. Yeah. Like, like we ha I had an interview once who was like, why did you choose the pirates? It seems that they're robbers and killers and criminals. Like he had a, such a negative. Right. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I, there were pirates that did that, but that wasn't. No, no, no. Yeah. That, I mean, that was, yeah. that was, that was it, you know, right, right. like in order to survive, they needed to get the, the, Needed to assault other other ships to get the treasures, right. and of right. course they they probably wanted that freedom and living in, in somewhere right. else. It was that period of time where we were discovering the world, you know. So um, it might have felt like everything anything is possible. I can get that money, and then I can build my life alone away from, you know, the the governments and the kingdoms that was around there and being so oppressive. So uh, there was a seek. Like they were seeking freedom, exactly yeah, as yeah. you said, but in a in a brutal way. It was definitely not, definitely not um, um, <laughs> a peaceful thing. But our approach, as as you said, um, is more about it. yeah about the explorer. The, the, to me, pirates are like freedom seekers that explore the world in their own way with their own values. And if I want to say to people today, you can be a pirate, it means you can think by yourselves, make your own decisions, be connected to your heart, follow your intuition, and right. and do not follow the rules that just make you unhappy. Right. So you're going into it with this mindset of that it's going to be this fantasy pirate world. You know, obviously you're not, it's, <laughs> it's not like the sort of like hardened criminal pirates uh, pillaging the way that we think of it today. Yarmity. Yeah, you've got this um this this more romantic um f fantasy vision of of your pirate universe and so within the process of writing these songs um we've got the basically the 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 melodies are now set in stone on a pre-pro version of the mm -hmm. song. So now Clem's got them, and it's time to write lyrics. And you're steeped in in this idea, this this world. What's the what is like most of how you go about it? Then I mean, you you, you talked about it a little bit, but um, yeah. Uh, so tell us a little bit more about what you'll do to get the song from, uh, like you said, the sort of gibberish lyrics you've got, or or whatever for these melodies, to the the final like these these are what they're gonna be. Like as I said, I, I I start from whatever part that that genuinely, almost unconsciously inspires me. A start like a word or something, and of course I use the the emotions and the and the the picture I, I build in my mind around the song, like what the song can be about. Sometimes I picture a character, like for instance the there's the song called um, "I Will Be Gone," like the last song of the record, because of this march it has on the snare and all i it gave me the feeling oh my god someone's gonna get executed and it just i pictured a man in a cell and i was like okay that song is about what is that man thinking about and he's a pirate of course but <laughs> but um that's how it started for instance with master of the hurricane i remember that word clay in that chorus i was like i need to keep that and of course when you talk about clay it's like Clay, it's fragile okay it's the opposite of rock and then rock that turns into clay something that is like falling apart and it, this song had a atmosphere of the tension you know of something 
that could be like massive and then you have this this bridge that is so um with so much vulnerability so there's a duality there i was like okay something that is gets destroyed and something to find you know it's like it's i put some concepts together and make them spin let's say <laughs> with some ideas and words and then there is a clarity of what exactly i want to talk about and then i put myself into the character that i that i that i that i see that which is a hard part within myself it's it's all about things that i've experienced that i've felt that is why sometimes lyrics from the beginning to the end the character the character is going through something that's why sometimes i like to change the the final chorus like i changed the lyrics like master the hurricane is a great example of that because the song is so long i wanted the character to come from one place and end up in another as a like yeah as a song it was a little story that that with a little message and um so when i feel that yeah i need to find that message i need to find a way to put them together and sometimes i circle around two lines for a long time because it like doesn't click until i'm like this is it it always can be put better you know it can always be improved because because yeah i'm i'm not climbing like i'm the the best lyric writer ever but at some point i'm like this is this is good enough it works with the melody it's understandable it's nice to sing and and then i have so many parameters i take in mind more and more like i know how he sings better and better so i know which sentences and which syllables help him help me depending on which notes we're 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 facing and musicality is the thing i want to be put as a priority is like no matter how, what i want to say if doesn't serve the musicality if that if that doesn't serve the melody i don't keep it because i want people to sing along i want people to understand what we're talking about and um you have to at some point keep the musicality of the words themselves so it's so many parameters all together that's why it, that's why it takes me quite some time and that's why i don't want to start this before i'm 100% sure because it's a lot of yeah consume so much energy to 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 get there but it's also very it's amazing because some suddenly you have you have a picture you have a small movie in my coming up here and um like people get 10% of what's happening in my mind because they don't see what i see but i i describe what i need to describe to make it consistent and <laughs> hoping that that as i said it's um it, it touches people they they can connect to that i think that common element that connects both the songwriting in terms of uh, you know on the musical aspect and on the lyric aspect and then also in the visual aspect when it comes to videos and visual universe of 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 the band is that we really give priority to the emotional level compared to what happens in our minds in terms of uh you know brain work Mm-hmm. um because in the end there are i can I, i can recall a lot of a lot of moments in which i was like writing the music to serve an atmosphere that i was feeling and that i wanted to you know recreate in terms of music which is basically what she's describing in terms of lyric writing she has picture she has atmosphere she has uh universe it's like as, as if you're watching a movie or if you're watching a video or whatever and you want to bring what you see and feel on on the fourth dimension actually to the music and it's it's the same to the to the lyrics sorry and it's the same that I do for the music you know there is this fourth dimension that is somehow ethereal that I want to evoke 
through the music. And I want people to feel like they are there. They are in what I'm summoning, in what I'm, you know, crafting music-wise. And this is a discussion that we often have with Felix, with our producer, because sometimes uh, he modifies something that for as cool as it can be, it takes away from the emotional feeling. And this is where, as an artist, we might say, listen, Felix, this is super cool, but you are taking away, you know, the... uh, how do you say the the, the the life? Yeah, you're destroying element. a little bit the image or the 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 what was that we had built in our mind. Yeah, yeah. The, the fourth dimension the dimension has changed, and yeah. this is important. This is something that to me is untouchable when it comes to songwriting by anyone. Like if the song doesn't stick to the dimension to the fourth dimension in which I brought it, then there is a problem. This is something I can't accept from the producer, from anyone else, because uh, I need to feel this connection. Uh, I, I am there, you know, like when I'm writing, I, I am there. And if a song that takes me, I don't know, in a storm through the seven seas becomes a song that takes me, I don't know, to uh, the desert uh, with a fight, then there is a f- substantial emotional change that I'm not really happy with. And this happened recently with with one of the new songs, for instance. Yeah, the, the we started to have a, a very nice uh, theme and image. We started to have a name for it. We started to have like a mood going for the song. It was like this song is going to be about that. And we could, and the moment where we both get inspired and we're like, oh yeah, and the video could be about that. You know, we don't spend so much car time in the yeah. car because we go to Austria to rehearse or to meet the guys or to shoot something that we have. We we wrote song in a car, in a car itself, like yeah. together, like. <laughs> Oh, yeah, and then and then yeah, just like improvising with our mouth and our whatever, <laughs> uh, that was so cool. And yeah, and sometimes we just brainstorm the same with the idea of what's like like the songs can be carried by um, from from the music itself to suddenly another dimension dimension when it comes to yeah what is going to tell what it, the story it's going to tell. Yeah, yeah, because song in the, in the end a song is is a song because there is singing and if there is singing there is lyrics and and these cannot be separate. These must must go hand in hand. Otherwise, you have the form and the 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 meaning that just it doesn't click, you know. And and yeah, and we had that song, and the producer started to work on it, and he and he twisted a part, and it felt like we were watching that movie together. And then, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you, suddenly there is like the cops coming onto your pirate ships, and like this doesn't fit at all. Just give it you, take you that away, please. Sometimes the mix is better. The quality of of every single instrument is better. The, the instruments are played better. But you lose the atmosphere, and this is this is a problem. Like this specific Mood, yeah. song, you know, I I had in mind this pirate captain playing the organ, you know, in the uh, in the back of the ship in his cabin and in the ship, you totally know, totally from with, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you know, super tentacles. I mean, yeah, yeah, so actually, actually, that's the thing. You know, this is how I was picturing. You know, it's somehow sacred, somehow gothic, somehow holy, somehow you know, mystical, because of course. In, in in this specific track, I felt like there was uh, fire burning the ship, him playing while everything was getting destroyed, blah, 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 blah. Really, really tense in terms of air that you breathe, you know, like there, there was tension in the air, things getting getting complicated and, and dense. And all of a sudden, we send a song to Felix and he sends it back with his arrangement. And I'm listening to a pirate song where like there is a crowd singing. Basically, you know, Whoa. like uh, more of a yeah. of a of a chant with the pirates all right. collected on the ship singing together, and I was like, okay, w- where is the sacred element? Where is the mystical element? Where is everything else? You know, 
And believe me, his mix sounded better. His edits were amazing, but I told him we need to bring back the atmosphere the mm-hmm. that, I, that I've lost. So some edits has been done in terms of levels, in terms of instruments, in terms of arrangements. Same riff, same uh, arrangements, same passages. Like basically nothing changed from the edits that he did, but we bring back, we, we brought back the arrangements that were missing, the sounds, the vibes, the, the atmosphere that was missing, and now the song works. Yeah. So sometimes it's just not yeah. about, you know, how you play the song or how you arrange it or how you mix it. Sometimes it's, it's about finding the right mood and finding a way to evoke the right thing to the listeners. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The fourth dimension is it's, important. Yeah, yeah. The storytelling, <laughs> like our songs, we called, used to call even ourselves like symphonic cinematic pirate metal because through, all, through, through our videos, we wanted to, to be very cinematic. And also in our, in our music and our arrangements, as he said, like the, the mood, taking, taking like the colors and the instruments we're going to choose for the arrangements, like just, it was just about putting the organ back in that part, for yeah, instance. Organ, organ and choirs. Organ in and choirs, In this specific yeah. case, for instance, organ and choirs yeah. were, like the choirs were drowned in, in the mm. mix and the organ was missing. Mm. We brought back the organ and the choirs became massive again and everything was back. It's I, crazy. I love, I love me some organs and choirs. Yeah. 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 And this is, yeah, and, and paying attention of having those elements, it's, it's because we... We want to evoke. We want to. We want to like have people close their eyes, and be thrown into a completely different universe. And we can do that with sound. It, it's oh yeah, absolutely. Definitely. You know, harpsichord. That's you need that next. <laughs> sure, yeah, exactly. This fucking harpsichord. Yeah, and yeah, I, I've been known to play the harpsichord. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it's it invokes that image of like that totally. kind of right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's from that period of time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. it's it's. Uh, difficult sometimes to 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 have it around because it's so ding ding so very pointy so very pointy you have to to really like write a part for it that would serve that that specific sound but we we have it in mind yeah but i'm in love with organs because it has this dramatic darkness with it that just fits metal so much (laughs) so so much range it can be dark it can be light it can be open the registers and everything happens it's So as much as I love to use symbols and uh, metaphors in the, in the lyrics, I love that our music also conveys images just through the instruments we choose yeah. to support it. I think what I've noticed, especially in metal, because there is a huge uh, technical hurdle to get over because the music is very difficult to play, you have to get to a certain level with your instrument. After spending many, many hours in the woodshed, getting a certain level and then having to have the production hit a certain thing, we can very, very easily forget the fourth dimension thing that you're talking about. And that's the reason that sucks is because it is the number one most important thing of the, of all of it. Like if you're playing something that's really difficult and the production is great and it's slamming and it's hitting like cool, but the feeling has to be right. The vibe has to be right. You're it's you're the whole point is to make people feel, Feel something, yeah, absolutely. and you're cultivating that feeling. You're a sort of curating these feelings for people, like stuff like the organ, the you know, the choir, like the very particular vibe to surround everything that you're doing. It's all just to make people feel something, um, and ev- evoking that fourth dimension thing. And um, so, you know, uh, 
The, for, the, the producer dimension is sick, and Fourth of course the mix, sick. and of course the mix can de- greatly affect that because yeah. it changes your perception of it all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah, like th- the producer's job is to make it is to enhance that and, and get it. They don't all, and they don't always do it. You know, well, sometimes that's, that's they, why they I miss tell something. People, so. Yeah, that's why it's very important to try and make sure the producer understands your vision, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because if they understand your vision, then they know. Okay, no, this is what this is what they're going for. I I I got to do this in order to achieve that. Yeah, right. Yeah, I I believe that this I, I like this term, this fourth dimension thing. I yeah, think it, I think it's really cool. That. But awareness, I'll, I'll credit you. Awareness. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> this is the title of the interview. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's get, let's go into Entering the fourth, the fourth dimension. Entering the fourth dimension. Yeah. Visions of Atlantis. <laughs> so uh, awareness of this dimension, I think it's important because sometimes, like right now that I'm thinking it through, I also believe that this is something that is that might be missing in many bands like sometimes the music is cool the riffing is cool the technique goes beyond someone else's but the fourth dimension might be missing and this is something that probably generalize make, makes everyone generic you yeah, know sometimes totally. like totally. you have to be aware of the fourth dimension and you yeah. have to keep track of how this is affected by the Ed- edits and uh, and the process that you apply on the song itself. Or, yeah, you know, I think some people writing. try to, I don't know, force it by like saying, "Oh, we're we're gonna we're gonna do this record without a click track, and we're gonna, you know, like do all these things to try and like force themselves to like potentially like you know hit a put, certain hit, vibe. It hit a certain vibe, but it ne- I don't know. My experience, this never really worked out. What about what do you, in your experience? Do you know? I mean, I I think that sort of thing, you can tell when it didn't work because they'll tell you... As a justification. Like, yeah, like, like, yeah. Oh, right, we did it without right. a click track because yeah. we were trying to get this raw feel. And right. I'm like, yeah. well, it well, actually just sounds like shit. That's usually the But we did it without there a click. Yeah, but it was genuine. It was yeah. genuine. authentic. Yeah. Like, yeah. there's... Yeah, I, I mean, no matter what, you're always trying to achieve that that fourth dimension vibe, whatever it is that you're going for. There's a lot of ways to get there. If I think if it's not naturally, if it's not natural, then it, it's, yeah, it, it may, it, may it, not work. It has yeah. to be spontaneous. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Be spontaneous. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I think protecting that thing, like like the, the vibe you were talking about on that one song, like half the damn job is just not ruining the thing that you've got, you know? Like, and sometimes it's this very precious little thing, you know, you've it's like an egg that's that was bo- the fourth dimension egg and you're just like protecting it and like the producer's trying to make an omelet and you're like no 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 we gotta get it you know trying to get it from from there to the listener's ears the best yeah. way possible yeah. and yeah. Uh, totally and yeah. sometimes it, you got sometimes you got to clap back at the producer to get it done right <laughs> sure 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 again it's it, it goes beyond the riffing goes beyond the technique like sometimes you can really scramble the song completely change the riffing modify parts cut parts but the four dimension is prevented yeah. and this works like this works and the producer job is amazing sometimes yeah. it happens that yeah the the the, the vibe is the vibe go, goes missing and yeah. this is this becomes a problem yeah. but and it has to be there at the beginning yeah yeah, yeah that's also exactly. the problem you know it yeah. has to be there you yeah. have to hear it you have to feel it you have to picture it. it it has to be something that you are aware of because you you can't force it in no uh, no no uh, it, it's right you know like some a song might suck but have the fourth dimension really strong right. and it becomes a good song. You know, like for instance, there is this ballad we're we are writing, probably 
the music is not good yet, <laughs> but the fourth dimension is there because we yeah. have the picture, we have the yeah. universe, we have the feeling. So I know that there is this track in which we might still need to change a lot. We might need to change melodies. We mm -hmm. might need to change arrangement, but we know where we are going. And this is way easier than when you have a great riff and a great chorus and everything else, but it just doesn't click. Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah. I think some, some songwriters get lost there when they, they come up with the very first good idea and then and for some reason they start to disconnect from their guts, from where they're connected to the fourth dimension and they just go with their heads like, okay, so now I'm going to make a transposition or I'm going to turn minor or be whatever. You know, like when they start yeah. to be in their minds more than than connected to to that dimension where, where feelings come, you know, where, where, where you're sure like this is what you want to to express, I try to generalize and not stick to our way. But um, I think the moment where you realize that you're pushing because you need to get from this part to another one that you had another day. Yeah, but if if that is not from the same fourth dimension, it just will not yeah. glue together. I think we were talking about this the other day, right? Sometimes, sometimes you have to Maybe. just separate those ideas um, and um, just work from that one and, and see where it takes you from this this other one see where it takes you we have an example for our new record like not pirates but the next one pirates 2 <laughs> pirates 2 electric where, <laughs> where he was in space yeah, the he return was, of the pirates <laughs> he was hearing a, a melody like he had a good ballad idea um, and and then one night I was playing with my kalimba in bed and I was like going around a nice pattern I was like oh this is cool put my phone record and then I made him listen and he was like oh this is great oh oh this is great. And like the fourth dimension opened and, <laughs> and he connected that idea to the ballad idea he had because it happened that both ideas were in three, four. Oh, wow. So then it's just a matter but of... But also with the same mood. You, right. Yeah. Because, right. Yeah. And then of course my matter of key, but this key is nothing. You just, yeah. and, and then suddenly from my idea to his blended and we created a complete new song out of yeah. that. Which will be the opening track for the new record. We are already <laughs> sure about it. <laughs> and um, so that's amazing because uh, it's not always given that, that you can share a fourth dimension with someone. And that's mm -hmm. actually the reason why I actually moved to Italy because I realized that we could write music together. Like Pirates with... Pirates a, por with a portal through the fourth dimension. <laughs> yeah. It's like... It's like finally finally find someone where I can open up my own creative door and he can share, like we can write from there together and naturally. And this is gold. Like as a musician, as a songwriter, it's like I have been looking for that because right. I love to create with someone else for the exact reason that I believe I'm not good enough to be able to do it on my own mm. and off to this chemistry. I think it's human connection and we're meant to connect with others and connecting and creation. It's just wonderful. I, I, I think I've talked to Trey about this, but I, I uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Trey, but I always, I, I always tell people, I always believe that there's two people with different strengths. One is the person that's really good at coming up with the core idea of the song. Another person that's really good at like putting all the pieces together and figuring it out. I, I may, I may uh, come up with a core idea person and Trey, well, I mean, we, I could do both, right? We could both do it. But Trey is, excels especially at the putting it all kind of together in pieces and stuff like that. The way that I've described it yeah. in the past is different levels of Zoom. You know, Zoom being, some people are very good at being Zoomed out and seeing the big picture. And some people are more like, more like good at either details or like, yeah, or incepting ideas and stuff like that. And um, it it really helps to have two people, even if, even if like, 
you don't have those particular kinds of strengths one way or the other. Even uh, like seeing somebody doing a thing and being objective from it, you are just by default doing that. You are more big picture than the person who's working on the, who's coming up with the thing and, you know, like that. So having yeah. that kind of a partnership works yeah. out really good. And that's awesome that you guys found that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But have, you, have you ever played Monkey Island? Oh, yeah, dude, I love the Monkey I, Island so of, of all the damn, uh, those games, that was the one that I didn't play. <laughs> You're the paper, the here's the glue. Oh, dude. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's now I'm going to have to play the game to, to yeah. get that reference. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. uh, well, there's I guess it's quite time. a few of those games. You should, okay, you should start, well, that, you got to start with Secret Monkey Island, um, and then you got to turn the return, uh, play the Return of LeChuck, and then Curse of Monkey Island, and then Escape of Monkey Island, and then you have to play. Never mind, I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> I'm gonna play but it's really cool. It's, 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 it's really good. It's it's hilarious. That too. was one of those like uh, Lucas Arts yeah. games in like the yeah. pack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a pirate game. Yeah. Oh, surprise, yeah. surprise. Yeah. Three Actually, hilariously, the one that I did play was um, Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis. Fate of Atlantis. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. So yeah. George Lucas was basically chasing visions of Atlantis because <laughs> he had the pirate game yeah. and he had the Fate of Atlantis game. Yeah. And we were I putting mean, it together. You put it all together. I mean, and George, can we use and your you logo? you thought that we wouldn't notice. <laughs> um, that's great. So so now it sounds like, um, whereas presumably uh, from your description, the way that you guys wrote Pirates was more separate, like you were working kind of by yourself and then sending stuff to you uh before you lived in Italy, and now you guys can actually get together and be working on this stuff together in real time. Yeah. So, yeah. so I'm excited to see what that will, uh, what fruit that will bear for the next one, because it's obviously gonna. Yeah. <laughs> it should work out pretty well. That's awesome. Yeah. The pre-production sounds good already. <laughs> yeah. But every artist would say this yeah. all the time. Yeah. You know, the yeah. next album will be the best album. It's gonna be our heaviest, yeah, yeah. most <laughs> melodic, and it calls back to the old stuff, but it's moving forward and it's fresh and matured. And oh god, oh, it's everything. I, the number of times oh. you guys have probably had to say that shit. No, actually, yeah. Well, the thing is, yeah, it might sound generic to say um, "Pirates" is the best album we've written so far. It was not difficult for me um, to repeat that over and over again because actually um, I was so convinced. And now writing together and owning our songs even more and opening the pirates theme going into the depths of it because as as we said like half the material for pirates was written without the awareness that it was going to be a pirate record it's different than starting from scratch knowing it's going to be in the pirate universe so the pirates too calling it we call it like yeah. this now will pirates be even too. more pirate-ish yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like real pirates yeah. going to be more you know, pirates more pirates <laughs> um, like now we're doing a real record for that concept you know so there is way more to explore about the pirate theme like where are the pirates gonna go are they exploring new places are they fighting other pirates are they you know and there is one thing i that i needed for myself to make us evolve in the in the universe and in the in, in the songs also in the in the lyrics is to see the progression of the band and Actually, if you start with the deep and the dark, the deep and the dark is where we came from. We came from the deep mm. and the dark because our career was at the lowest level ever. And then we had to find ourselves. So we've been wandering with our um, album called Wanderers. And then we found ourselves and, was, and we confirmed that we affirmed that we're pirates. That's why it's actually called just pirates. And so it's like a search for our own identity. And I like to do this also with a spiritual gate open when it comes to spirituality, uh, understanding who we are, what our purpose is, 
embracing our intuition, embracing the light, embracing love. And that's why there is these, these there are these words coming over a lot of times in, in the lyrics. And it's connected to my own path um, as a as a as a person, <laughs> my own development. And I feel like for the next one, like when you start to do any light work, very early in that stage, you think you've figured it all out. You're like, oh, I feel I meditate. I feel so much better. Yeah, you do. Because you start to bring space between yourself and your thoughts and you understand, oh my God, I am not my thoughts. This is not the real me or this negative thing that I'm that I'm thinking sometimes. I'm just love. I'm part of this universe and um, I can find the joy back. And you're like, oh, I'm embracing the joy and all. And this is, this is a very good first step, but it's still superficial mm -hmm. and this is where i was at with wonders and and pirates i was sort of understanding there is a deeper layer to that and that's actually what development self-development brings you to it brings you downwards to the core so you go layer after layer deeper and deeper into your own shit <laughs> actually <laughs> yeah. and i think the next record uh and it's cool because the music seems to be already Heavier than than pirates. You see heavier. I don't know for reason. <laughs> <laughs> like it's telling everyone if you, it's heavier, it's newer, it's, but it's darker. The same. <laughs> yeah, I feel like um, as much as you need to embrace the child within you that is hurt and that wanted attention, and that is why you have an ego. And so when you understand that, you, you understand that there is the, the shadow part of yourself that you need to face. Not in the sense that you have to defeat it. But in the sense that it is a part of you that needs as much love as the bright part of you. Yeah, like I've managed in a way to have Visions discography since I joined the band reflect my own path and also and, and, and bring in meaning. That's why when he says it's important to have a picture and then and then we bring it to the people. It's like literally what I connect with, with Visions, put the image of an iceberg is like there is a huge part that is hidden for ten, for people to see just the top of it. And that top is consistent and push our in, um, inspiration and it push our ambition because it's connected to a super enormous, deep, hidden part, which is my own spiritual work, which is like our relationship as as people, as as musicians. And um, it is that dense and, and, and because in the end, at the very bottom, it is super rich and deeply connected to who we are. Going back to the like best thing, back, best yeah. um, harder, heavier, yeah, yeah. blah blah blah. In, in the end, in the end, this is all things that don't matter. What matters the most is that right now I have the feeling that we are inspired. We are still inspired. We I don't have to. We don't have to push to write music. We don't have to write because we have an album that has to be released, and we are unleashing our our creativity. In a sp super spontaneous way. Yeah. If it becomes the heavier record ever written by Vision of Atlanta, it's not because we wanted it. It's yeah. because it's coming up like this. And it's, again, it's not like we are sitting in front of the computer saying, okay, now we have to write a song for this record, which is a point that I fear of reaching. And I I feel for all the bands that ha that are in, the, in, in that condition, you know. Like she has uh, her universe, she has a, uh, her way, you know. She has she has her uh, pictures that allows her to write and to create lyrics for for you know 
to serve the purpose without having to force them. And thanks to the music that we are writing together and that I am writing, she has, you know, the doors, the gateways opening to to her universe. And at the same time, you know, when I sit on the, I, I, I regret I'm not sitting on the computer right now. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really happy of being here now. But you see what I mean? I, I regret I don't have enough time in front of the computer to put down all the ideas that I have because I would, I would write 20 songs right now and come up with 10 for the record or 30 and and you know uh, have more more to discard uh, because I I I feel like I have a lot to to write down to, to write and, and to put down and this is what matters the most mm. it's not that it's the heavier the most inspired or or whatever as long as this workflow is going as long as this situation is there i feel like i'm doing the right thing and that ne- i'm sure the next album will be a better one compared to the previous one because the workflow is there because i'm i'm i i, I have nothing to force and I'm sure that the moment in which this will break, then I will have to say that this will be the hardest and heavier because I will have to convince people about it in mm. advance. You see what I mean? Right yeah. now, I, I, I really don't have anything to say about it. People will judge it and they will know that it's something super spontaneous that we are doing yeah. like so, so genuinely, so easily in the end because it, it, it's freaking easy. Mm. You know, we <laughs> we wrote a song, we prepare the pre-production of a, of a song like from the beginning to the end in eight hours after we started after lunch and at 23 we had everything put down including the fake lyrics including the fake melodies chorus and everything else just because we know where we were going it was just literally about listening putting down listening putting down listening putting down and this is so natural like i didn't i didn't even have the time to think of what i was doing because it was so easy yeah and fun so, and fun no because and, yeah exactly like we're inspired. We feel like we could continuously do that. I mean, he may even even way more because he's literally born to write music in a way. You know, he's he's a, he's a freaking music box. He always he, he didn't say that, but uh, for pirates, he there was a song like in my world. It came out to him in his dreams. Yeah, that's true. He, well, in the morning, yeah. he woke wow. up. He told me, and he had grabbed his phone and he had verse, chorus, intro coming up to him in his dream. So it's like, there's just a portal that is yeah, open. Well, it was like, it was like, I dreamt of this. I, I, I remember what I dreamt. I just I just need to get, you know, to the studio and, and, and record it. And yeah. I was like, okay, let's keep it in mind. Let's keep it in mind. Let's keep it in mind. Yeah. And this is in my world. Yeah. Like, exactly as you hear it. Have you yeah. ever dreamt a song? Uh, I dreamt a melody once that I that I wrote down, but that was the extent of it. That's, yeah. the, that's the closest I've ever gotten. I, it's never, already good. Never a complete arrangement yeah. or anything. I... Yeah, I just dreamt of us playing on stage. You know, I was in the crowd listening to, to Visions playing and I was like, okay, well, why shouldn't I, why should I skip it? Yeah, and which but is cool um, is that we, um, to come back to like humility in a way, is that uh, as much as we keep that flow and we write the songs, we still like keep in mind that the purpose of those songs at some point, not maybe at the beginning when we write, but at some point we're like, okay, this is going to be a Visions of Atlantis song. And we know the history, we know what we need to achieve. We still need to be able to say the next record is the best we've ever written because because you want to keep the drive, you want to keep going, you want to keep keep people touched by your music. You know, this you share that with people. So, so as much as you want to have the fun doing it, there is still like a critical part of you that's like, is that good enough as an as as a song? And and he already wrote ten for the new record, and he already by himself discarded two. Saying like, it's fourteen, and we are at twelve right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, in the moments when he when he wrote the, these songs that has that have been discarded, he was really enthusiastic about them. He was like, oh, I really love the songs and all, but 
because we know the purpose, like the end goal that is to make a new record, we still have to yeah remain remain critical, find balance. Also, as a, like to write an album track list, you can you cannot have ten times the same. So you have to bring in difference. And sometimes, like we had a discussion recently about some moods in the songs. Like like I'm sensitive to specific moods in symphonic metal because this is my my taste, you know. And at some point, I told him, oh, I would like to have a little bit more of that in general. And he was telling me, yeah, but I can't force it. If it doesn't come out, it just doesn't come out. And I think it's so important that we keep it um, genuine. And, and if, if it, that, that specific vibe doesn't hit that record, it's just not meant to be. Maybe it will happen with the next one. Um, so yeah, we, we have to find a balance between, yeah, we still enjoy what we write because it comes from source. <laughs> Some people would say God. <laughs> Uh, from that portal, from this fourth dimension, whatever you call it. Um, I like fourth dimension. Yeah, Let's and uh, yeah, and um, but we still want it to be like part of the best record we're right we would have ever written. Yeah. So so stay in the fun, stay critical, like find find a right balance. And well, it sounds like the way that you've gone about it is that you. <laughs> Um, like you, you saying you you said that you you wrote some songs and you discarded them. So that means that you you went through the whole or the most of the at least the pre production process or whatever. You know you're you're writing the inspiration and then like after the sort of fourth dimension inspiration haze fog like uh, state you know of creativity and inspiration was over. You looked at it. And then you're sort of uh, you. That's where you get critical. You don't not during. You're not sitting there going like, oh, I don't know if this is good enough for the album. You ju you're just you're just going. Yeah. And feeling that state of inspiration that you were describing so well that that um. And then later on, you go like, all right, maybe this is not gonna fit on the album. Whatever. It's when the yeah, fourth dimension opens up to you. That is not the time to be like, is this the right thing to do at the right yeah. time? <laughs> yeah, but we play gore grind. I don't know if I want a melody like that one or whatever, you know, like, yeah, you just you just accept the gift the yeah. insp of inspiration. And then later on, you can you can be critical. And it sounds like that's what at that's least from exactly your description. how it is. And actually, this is something that at the very beginning, like was surprising. And uh, for for the producer, for Felix and for Thomas, especially, uh, they were really skeptical about me telling them, listen, guys, this is how it works. I, I don't mind discarding songs because normally this is a super, super, super delicate and taboo topic with musicians. You know, like yeah. when you write 10 songs, I would say the nine musicians out of 10 will want this 10 yeah. song because, you know, they put time behind it. Dude, they're, I, they're, the, there's I effort. You know? I yeah, I fight with bands so much. Like, oh, like oh, I have an album ready. I have ten songs. I was like, "What do you mean? Like, I haven't even heard any of these songs." <laughs> you know, like, how do you know that they're even like? How can you say there is an album yeah, ready? Yeah, how do you say there's an album ready? Right? But, like, it, but it's so true. You know, nine, nine yeah. musicians out of ten. No offense, I'm not pointing my finger at yeah. I'm, uh, towards anyone right here. Oh, but I'm, this I'll is point just, it for I, you. I, I, I was okay. going to say I'll point it it's, for it's you. It's you. Do it. I'm talking to you, and I'm, I know that. You, <laughs> I mean, when you write a song, you don't have the right minds, I'm, and you want to keep it because you've invested time. I'm even gonna, I'm even gonna say a name, Walter. <laughs> oh, getting very specific, Walter. I'm, I have no idea who you are. Sorry for this. <laughs> I mean, Trey knows look, who he is. We're, uh, I love you, Walter. What you know we're that. here to do, more than anything else, aside from just because I learn a lot, which is why I started the podcast, is to 
be fucking honest with musicians, especially like, you know, ones at a at a more beginner or intermediate level, like no, just no, say sure, the thing, sure. be harsh I, as fuck, dude. Uh, but, like, but that's, but that's you'll never truth. be as rough as I but am on like, <laughs> my, my time. My, you know, my time is extremely valuable. This is a quote from Team America. Yeah. You know, <laughs> hey, Gary, my time, my time is extremely valuable. <laughs> okay, uh, you, you see what I mean? Like, my time is is extremely valuable, and and an hour of my life, you know, as yours and yours and yours, it's it's worth a lot. But if this hours doesn't serve the purpose. Guys, I mean, it's it, we have to accept that we are not unfailable. You know, yeah. we we can make mistakes, and and most of all, not everything we put down is perfect. It's it's just acceptance towards a, a, a rule. Like, how many times have you studied a lot and still you didn't succeed at the exam? You know, like it happens to me a lot of time. I, I've invested hours and hours and hours behind you know the book, studying, 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 and then at the end, I didn't pass the exam. It, 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 it was not enough. What what should I do? Just accept it and and be angry and mad at myself. Otherwise, I mean, of course, I can blame the professor or the examiner or whatever. But still, I didn't pass. Yeah. So I have to reopen the book, study more, and know and know it better. And this happens with the songs too. Sometimes you spend hours and hours and hours in front of the computer, like to write a song properly with the full arrangement and everything. Like sometimes it just flows, but sometimes it I, it took me weeks. Yeah. Like Master the Hurricane, I think I wrote it. I put it down in a couple hours, but I finished to offer something, to prepare something that I could offer to the producer in like three weeks or something. And I was aware that it might have happened, that it might have just said, you know, make this is just crap. Yeah. And this is the where it's it can be bitter for for musician is that the value of the music perceived by the listener doesn't depend on the amount of time you. You put in because you could have great ideas just put in together and this would be a massive song already because just the idea is gold and you could put hours in trying to have work around a mediocre idea and still you put way more time and you said i put so much time so much effort it must be good no no music doesn't work that yeah, way art doesn't the, work uh, that way it does. it's yeah. called the sunken cost fallacy yeah. Yeah. it's yeah people think that The work gives it value, but that's not it. That's it's not like, it. It's like in physics, if you, uh, like if I were to push against this wall here for an hour and exert all of my strength and it doesn't move, I haven't actually done any work in yeah. the in the physics sense. And yeah. it's the same thing with music. Like, yeah. But also, what will make any musician who feels like this feel much better and make them a better musician is that even though you did all of that and the song maybe just needs to be deleted, it isn't actually a waste. No, it's, it's never practice. a waste. It's practice, waste, yes. And sometimes you have to just get that thing out. It could have been yeah. the stepping stone that led you to the thing that exactly. was the correct. Yeah, That's absolutely. happened so many yeah. times. Absolutely. So. I mean, if you, if, if I remember once there was an anecdote in, it's not music, it's, it's art, like it's painting, but it's related to that. It's like Picasso was sitting at a table in a bar and he was bored and he made a little drawing on a napkin, like just like that. And it was Picasso style. And uh, that was a, uh, he was about to throw it away. And the, the woman was like, oh, you're, gonna you're Mr. Picasso, right? Um, can, I, can, I, can I get it? Can I get this drawing? Um, and he was like, if you want to get it, you have to pay for it. It was like, how, how comes you, you just drew that in 20 minutes? He said, no, that took me 20 years. Yeah. So never, ever, ever is practice a failure, even if the song doesn't make the record, because it is part of your... Craft. It's part of who you are. You write songs, and that's what Mick is. Yeah, he's a writer. He's a songwriter. So he writes songs. He writes songs. He writes songs, and and most of them will will make a new visions of Atlantis record, and 
of course there is affection when you just when the fourth dimension is still open yeah, yeah. because you're still in it you know you it's it's still a, feels like it's still, it's a part of you and there's a moment where that 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 wire is cut and you just can look at it as objectively and um, that's why sometimes we're like we have these songs and we don't know if the like is it good enough or not we we or we say a lot of time it's too early to judge it's too exactly. early to tell it will tell when the entire process will of the record would be more like yeah advanced mm. advanced actually i i swear to god i've been like listening to my songs like in my pre-production version when they were done like i've been spending nights so excited that i couldn't sleep listening to one song in repeat you know like laying in bed with my airpods like listening to this song and it was over and I was like okay i want to listen to it again it's so good and again and again and i've been staying there for hours sometimes just re-listening to the same song because i'm super excited and then on the following day i was sending it you know to the producer and he was saying like no <laughs> and this i was is like not it no this is I, i'm sorry this is just not good and i'm like What do you mean it's not good? I've just spent, like, I, I didn't sleep tonight because I was so excited. Yeah, no. And I've learned to accept this. I've just learned to accept that this can happen. It doesn't matter how much love and effort you can put in, in, in your work. Sometimes it just doesn't work and you will always love it. I'm sure that if I, if I sit down and write some crap, in a couple hours it will be done and I will love it. But it will still be crap. And I have to accept this. We, we musicians, we, yeah. we have to, we write crap. We don't write only gold. Yeah, good luck, good luck convincing. <laughs> if they're not gonna, if they're not gonna listen to like, we've been, we've been screaming into the void for years at this point. <laughs> I, I think more than anything, not more than anything else, but a, a huge part of it, of doing this is just so that you, y'all, can hear it from someone other than me, <laughs> people who are like actually selling albums, yeah. you know. Yeah. So that's uh, I feel so happy hearing you say that. You have no idea. Yeah, yeah all this stuff, all, both, both of you guys, everything you're saying. But about the, this the topic. truth is, the truth is that the moment in which we started to accept it and we started to write more than before, and discarding, accepting that our crap has to be discarded, is exactly the moment in which, for instance, Visions of Atlantis started to ramp and started to grow. Okay, we we are not. Nightwish, we are not. We, I, I don't. I'm, we will never be Metallica, you know. We will. Hey, man, never say that. Well, let's <laughs> dude, say that dude, my Night, Nightwish was like what five, six albums in before they actually it, became it, big. Does doesn't matter, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, you see what I mean. I, I yeah. I'm aware of our position. Yeah. I'm aware how you know. We know how many views our videos are. Have uh, you know how many Spotify listeners we have? So we know where we are. We're not pretending we are the best oh, band in the world. Currently, okay, okay, yeah, currently okay, yeah. Or, or but even in in. We don't do this because of sure. the numbers. We oh, don't course, do this, but course. I'm aware that there is a growth. It's yeah. undeniable. Like this is truly undeniable. We wouldn't be here. You can here. see the graph, and yeah. it went. We yeah. wouldn't be here up to headline our first. Yeah. You know, like promoters would have never accepted to book the bands. You can't. Right. You know, it doesn't matter who you are, how many connections you have. You can't force certain yeah. things. There is no way you can't pay they're not a promoter. Gonna book, they're not going to book the tour if they know they're going to lose their ass. <laughs> you you yeah. can be the most famous musician in the world with most friends in the world. They're not going to lose money for you because at the very end, this is sadly what the market is about. And if a promoter believes that he can sell a show of yours, it's because something is going in the in the right direction. And we would have never thought that we could even have the chance to do something like this four years ago. Now we are doing it because the last record is 
finally making a difference. And I truly believe that is thanks to the fourth dimension and the acceptance of the workflow. The moment in which we realized the things had to be changed and we had to accept ourselves in the good and in the bad, in the failures and in the victories, this is where the band started to cycle, started to be coherent, consistent, started to develop uh, an internal relationship between the band members that allowed us not to change lineup anymore because we we are a family in which everyone accepted his role. This goes beyond songwriting, this goes beyond musicianship, this goes like into a real acceptance of who you are and your role. Like Dushi accepts that I write the songs, Clemmy accepts that I write the music, I accept that she writes the, um, the lyrics, Thomas accepts that we are handling the the music where this is something that would have never happened before. So there is a connection right now and, and, and a compatibility among the musicianship and the people and the relationship and the emotional level and everything works in such a good way that things are happening. And this becomes, first of all, by the acceptance. It's right. Acceptance is the key here, in my opinion. And the music is obviously resonating for, for with more people because of it. The way that you described how you came to the band, it was basically a corpse. You had they had decided that this was going to be the final hurrah. Like it was the it was almost like this ego death. This like like ex- the acceptance of just the the end failure. and failure. And that's a point at which you can do this kind of growth that you're talking about. It's very difficult to have the kind of huge growth that you're talking about and to to reach a point where you can click in the way that you're describing without discarding a lot of the things that are preventing that and it's if you can look at it and go like well all these things that I've been maybe holding on to a certain way like the way that maybe like certain conflicts within the band that maybe we're just uh, just living with or whatever you know none of those matter anymore the band's just going to be done so we're just going to do it and then, like that, from that lowest point, you've got nowhere to go but up. But also, you can you're completely open to that, and then things start falling into place like that. I, I hear people talk about that a lot, you know. And to me, it speaks to this this very tight grip that musicians have on the stuff that they've put so much into. That once you once you kind of like let go of that and like realize that it's okay to fail and like that you every single thing doesn't matter so so much and you can throw away a song that you worked really hard on and then it's not a waste you can hit that you know yeah that vertical growth as a as an artist and as a person so i I love hearing stories like that and uh (laughs) but it's it's nice to say now because it works and because we obviously have our shows and our sales and our numbers to to completely confirm that this is happening for us but it doesn't come in and easy it's it's not easy to go through we've we've had terrible moments where we had to agree uh this is not going to be like that some some melodies some songs that no you're not going to sing this because it doesn't sound good you have to sing that that way or we're going to discard that song or it's going to be called different or you know it's why most bands fail i've i've been in many bands where i tried to be uh, I tried to at least voice that opinion right, and uh, a lot of times uh, the band either breaks up or people leave because they can't ex- they can't accept it. Yeah, they don't. yeah, they can't accept yeah. it, and they lack of trust in the process. Like we decided to work with Felix because at some point we realized, okay, he's the best songwriter among among all of us at that point for Visions, and back in 2020 when we met him, 
and um, a producer has a specific role and we accept his role and we accept his vision. Otherwise, you don't work with him. You find someone else. Some people might not take enough time to find the right producer, to find the right songwriter, to find the right people within their own band to work with. And with, with that process said, okay, we have this producer. He has different criteria than we to write music. And we complement each other very well. Sometimes it leads to, to discussions because we... We share different points of views, but we complement each other so well that makes the music we've been able to make together. Sometimes it's just not easy to have these talks because because of that. But if we trust the process and we know that if we surrender, that we if we leave our ego apart, I mean, he has a tattoo about like leaving your ego aside. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it says nice. surrender. Sorry, I can't read it up a little bit more. Surrender Sur your ego. Be free to yourself. Actually, this is a famous quote from Queen. Anyways, <laughs> yeah. innuendo. Uh, yeah, I was like, that sounds familiar. exactly. Yeah. yeah, and when yeah. this is all about coming back, yeah, you, you, your ego doesn't need to be the voice ruling your world when you trust in something greater, when you trust in your real self, and when you trust with the bond with others, and when you trust in the value that other people give to you to bring your music higher. And this is the point, the goal we all want to. We want to write the best music for this band. We want to have the best career for this band. And if it means that this song or this idea is not good enough, it is not good enough. And as long as we all share this this goal, we agree. And we we are an absolute team here. Sometimes it's like, oh, we're losing away the spice and the mood and we come in and say, yeah, we still would like to, to have this in this environment. We're still like that kind of metal band, you know, we our identity, whatever. We, we have constant talks, like... Even these days, where we are away, we are in touch with our producer, and we he, they're sending back versions of our, of our new song to to make sure we go in the right direction and all. And it's a it's a constant dialogue, and it would not work without the trust and the faith in everyone, yeah. in everyone's assets, in everyone's um, what everyone what what the value everyone can bring to 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 the band. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, no, the biggest that's the biggest thing is. Uh, usually why I see most bands fail is because A, the the band got together from the very beginning with the wrong mindset. The band got together was like, I need the best guitar player. It doesn't matter. Everything else doesn't matter. I need the best guitar player. I need the best drummer. I need the be best this, like that. You know, they don't think about all the other aspects of like making a song or even like say you somehow make a song and you actually do end up becoming somewhat successful. Then there's the whole aspect of touring. You don't even know if this is a person you want to tour with. <laughs> And oh boy, <laughs> when you go on tour with some people, you find out, oh, this is a terrible person that I would never want to tour with, you know? Yep. <laughs> and yeah. this is where acceptance is, this is where it also comes in, in because you could always say like, that, yeah, we're, we're bands with from three different countries. Like we have different visions of the world of how to be together, it's, et cetera. It's not like we're the most, like we, like, Four, four, five years ago, you didn't know these guys. And now you have to tour and share uh, yeah, yeah, sure. everything with them so intimately, like on the bus and all. So there are two, for me to approach at some point, it's like, I can't cope with that person or this or that person. We need to change them. But it doesn't look great to change lineup. Right. You know, so what you could, you could is, how can I change my approach to that person? And this is where radical acceptance is so important, is that you... Look at these people and you're like, this is who you are. 
and there is no option to kick you out because that wouldn't be the band we are if you're not there. So eliminating the option you could leave, my only option left is that I change my approach. I accept who you are and I don't fight and I don't resist this this part of you that would never be best friends or whatever or or I find this so uh, annoying that you leave your thrash all over the place. But the way to bring peace within ourselves sometimes on tour is to to just do that, to just accept these people, this is who they are, as much as I want them to accept me for who I am for real. And doing this, suddenly, still st things might annoy you and you might have some talks because, you know, trying to find balance, everyone feeling good on tour is important. But you may leave that place where there is so much tension that you're like, oh my God, I can't, I can't stay in being around. This cannot work on. Like radical acceptance of, yeah. of people and yourself is, is a key that is trying to, it's not, it's not easy every day. No, no. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's, to me, brought a lot of, of peace um, being around people on tour. That's great. And I, I think probably within the, you know, just in the creative working space as well, that's a huge, yeah, huge, uh, a great way to go about it and a different of obviously a very big mental shift for how you're approaching things but one that i will have to try a bit because i i honest i um i think the tendency is to just resist just to just to fight that's um, what almost every musician i was i was talking with like doing. martin from the lane a couple mm -hmm. of days ago um we are in contact for several reasons and we were sharing the fact that basically being a musician is a synonymous of accepting that things will never go the way you want. Like from the day zero, like we, we were both like so much on the same page and we were like, like you know, like virtually hugging each other saying, hey mate, I feel you, hey mate, <laughs> yeah. I feel you. Like the moment in which you start to be a musician, you start realizing that the world will never turn in the way you want. Because on the very first show, when you are a kid and you bring your own PA to the venue, or this, this is what I was doing, you know, and you have to connect your own cables and you have your own mixer that you bought, you know, doing another job or earning money, you know, like uh, aside of your, of your school hours and everything else. So when you work your ass out, you prepare everything. You finally have your PA, you finally have your mixer, you finally have your cables, your microphones, you go to the venue, you mount and you put so much effort into it, you play in front of, 15, 20 people, and the owner of the venue tells you, yeah, you know, there were so little people, I can't give you the fee tonight. This is what was happening all the times, you know, yeah. but I was so passionate, I even gave a shit because I wanted to play. And that people from 15, they became 20, and from 20, 30, and from 30, 50, and all in all, I, you know, I'm here touring US and I'm European, so probably I, I did things the right way, but so many things didn't went in the right, I, I was so pissed when the venue owner was like telling me it would a pub owner was yeah. in a venue was telling me yeah you know uh the evening went bad i can't give you the fee as as we agreed blah 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 this is the first failure you know and the second failure was changing the first musician in your band because things didn't work and then you start you know having a record label the first deals and in the deals there was written something and it doesn't happen <coughs> and then you have the first booking contract and they promise you 10 shows per month and in the end you do one and you understand that no one can promise you 10 shows per month but you're you know you're too naive at the very beginning and you pay them and they are happy with the money that you pay for but you don't realize you're wasting your money and this is something that goes wrong and then like 
the musician's life is all about things going wrong. And the moment yeah. in which you accept it, and you accept that fixing is your real job, then it's that is the moment in which you start yeah. telling yourself, okay, I, I've understood how it works. Mm. I just need to cope with it, and I will be happy. And this is how I feel right now. I think you share this, right? Yeah, and I think it's a, it's a life lesson. Like, Nothing in life is going to happen the way you want it because you cannot control everything. Yeah. And surrendering to the process, surrendering to what is happening, not taking it personally, like whatever happens to you, it's it's just, uh, well, let's not talk about law of attraction. But <laughs> <laughs> just, do, just do your best. I just tell, best. Yeah. Um, in, my, in my songwriting course, I tell people, you are going to get good at this when you learn that... You, learn to wake up every single day and eat failure for breakfast. Like you are going to fail over and over and over again. And that's fine. I've seen people like fail the first try and just give up. And I was like, you didn't even, you haven't even gotten to step <laughs> one yet. That's step zero. Like, yeah. of yeah. course you're not going to be good at it the first time. <laughs> like people take failure so hard, but you yeah. can't, you, yeah. you, it's not even that you have to, that you can take it, badly you literally have to be happy about failing because you tried and you learned something and that's all there is yeah and until you're dead until you fail to death yeah, <laughs> yeah. and that's yeah. that's sometimes a reason why actually failure is not part of our vocabulary so much i, to I told it because because i i thought yeah this can be like at some point we talked about it and I said it's failure but there if you believe like every time it doesn't work you learn there is no failure as we said, there is no failure. It's just experience. And experience, like like some people are like, yeah, practice makes perfect. No, practice makes better. And there is no practice that doesn't involve mistakes and doesn't and, and, and sometimes you circle into something and you don't manage and you take a risk and it doesn't work and you learn why. So that the next time it works. And if you never take that risk, if you never try for real, nothing is ever gonna happen. Yeah. I think this is a uh, a great time to uh to wrap it up because that's the that's the golden nugget of the whole the whole day i think all of like this is the most important thing in being a creative and um and try to learn something new i learned <laughs> and i learned something new and this is a great way to kick off season two because this this is easily one of the best uh episodes of here, this that we've had our good luck mascot over here alex <laughs> Finally decided to come, but uh, do you want to talk? Tell the tell the world what you've got going on. Um, you guys are on are about to start a tour. Go for it. So we were <laughs> we're currently on tour um, on our first ever headline tour in the U.S. As you hear this, uh, you can check our socials to see if we're hitting your town. We're happy to have you. Um, some cities are running low on tickets. We're absolutely amazed by that. Like. Like, even if it's, like, the first venues you can hit in the U.S., filling them up feels just right. Like, feels like this, this, the wave following the release of Pirates has been, like, like, we're amazed by what's happening around our band and the response we get from people. It's the best gift ever to feel there is a response to the value we think we give to the world. So, so if you want to share that, have fun with us, jump and scream and, and all just, and have a real pirate party, just, yeah, check our tour dates and if you're hearing this from europe uh we're coming to get you too in april we're back in the european roads tour dates are already announced tickets are in sales 
too. And then we have a bunch of great festivals coming next summer, Europe mostly. And then we have doors, tours that are confirmed that needs to be announced. And we'll I mean, the Prog Power is announced already. Yeah, Prog Power or USA. Yeah, so totally. Right? Yep. September, yeah. And you can dress up as pirates when you come to the show. <laughs> in, oh, yeah. fact, extremely in fact, you should. You should. Yeah, every person that comes <laughs> dressed up as a pirate to our show wins a good show. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, is he going to do one of those Italian <laughs> oh, <no>. promises? <laughs> a good show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he'll give you That's a high five. That's a promise I can keep. <laughs> well, guys, uh, I'm hoping to, I mean, I already saw you uh, less than a week ago, um, but <laughs> hopefully I can come out uh, to the show and bring my pirate hat. So thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. Um, to all of the folks at home, uh, you can check out this as and all of the past episodes as audio podcasts on uh, howsongsaremadepodcast.com. Um, and you can also get where you can also get uh, merch and you can uh, subscribe to the podcast on all your favorite podcast dealers, uh, Spotify and Apple Music and all of that. And um, of course, check out uh, Visions of Atlantis on all of their socials and um, go support the band, see them on tour. Thanks to Alex for uh, for existing, for being here. <laughs> for for co I'm, just I'm kidding. Existing. I'm kidding. Wow. I'm kidding. I mean, th- just as in general, yeah. you know. Um, it's a good thing I exist. Otherwise. Uh, thanks for coming and, and co-hosting today and hopefully Not again in always, the future buddy. at some point. L- let us know if you think uh, Alex should come back. They like and, me on uh, your stream, so maybe they'll like oh, yeah. me on your podcast too. Yeah. I don't know. Um, and uh, if you haven't already, subscribe and hit the bell so that you get notifi- notified uh, the next time I've got another podcast and some more guests. And also let me know what guests you think that I should have on this year. Um because this is uh, just the beginning of season two. And as always, thank you for watching. And we'll see you all on, on the flippy floppy. <laughs>